love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. Hey, before we get into the show wins. Let me make sure that I'm recording. Okay, yes, good. That's funny, I am too. What are the odds? We got an email from uh, Alicia, and she was talking about the episode that I did on the guy who had the mortar shell in his butt. Oh, oh yeah. He, fe- the, he fell on it. Yeah, and all of the other items that have been removed from people's bottoms uh, in uh, emergency rooms. And almost always the uh, explanation is I slipped and fell on it. And so Alicia sends us this email. Shell in the bum is the uh, subject line. I just want you to know, as a former OR trauma nurse, quote, I fell on it is the number one butt stuff excuse. (laughs) I advise everyone to put only items specifically made for the butt in there. Thank you, Alicia. It's good advice. This public service announcement brought to you by The Shallow End. Thank you, Alicia. That's good advice. And apparently we did touch a nerve with things in people's butt stories. Uh, (laughs) Diana sent this. I got a huge kick out of this as I used to work in a medical laboratory and we would way more often than you would expect get specimen bags with foreign objects removed from people's southern quarters. I laughed about how much deeper, pun intended, you could go into that subject. So damn funny. Thanks for all the laughs and the company along my long walks. That came from Diana. Thank you, Diana. And then Jess wrote, we bought our house 10 years ago. The previous owner was a rad tech, radiation technologist, uh, at one of the hospitals in town. Well, when we were putting stuff away in the downstairs storage room, we came across an interesting little souvenir that they had left for us. An (laughs) x-ray, complete with the diagnostic paperwork of a man with a vibrator lodged in a place where the sun don't shine. I was reminded of this while listening to the most recent episode of The Shallow End, about the odd things you find in people's bums. I've attached the x-ray picture for you. Yay! (laughs) As well as the medical workup. Oh, that's very thoughtful. I'm guessing that was not left behind intentionally as a housewarming gift. I choose to believe that it was. Okay. When we uh, moved out of our last apartment last week, Kat had uh, put a sign up on the the wall that said, 
You should be packing, yeah, packing, yeah. And then beside it was a picture of Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees. Sure. And when we left, we cleaned the entire apartment out except for that one photo, and she put it inside the bathroom door closet. Nice. I guarantee you the new resident is going to hang on to that and show oh, people. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought it would be a nice surprise. You know, you, you're moving in. A lot of stuff is stressful. <laughs> Sometimes a little Barry Gibb will help. Is there anything in life not made better by a little bit of Barry Gibb? Mm. That's deep. I wish we had the rights to play Fanny Be Tender while we were reading those emails. <laughs> Wouldn't that have come full circle? Oh, it really would have been beautiful. A beautiful moment. Yeah. I'm I mean, surprised that you didn't say that's deep while you're talking about the bum stuff. I did show some restraint. <clears throat> have either of you guys ever been to Rochester, New York? I cannot say that I have. Cat? No. It's the seat of Monroe County. It's the fourth largest city in the state of New York, behind New York City, Buffalo, and Yonkers. Its population is about 210,000 people. It was uh, one of the very first boom towns in the United States, and it's located on the shores of Lake Ontario. And as beautiful and historically important as the city of Rochester is, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it has more than its share of violent crime. Hmm. Do you have any proof of this? Any stories or anecdotes you could share with us, JG? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, actually I do. Oh. According to Neighborhood Scout, Rochester is listed as a 7 on the crime index, and that means that 93% of all of the cities in the U.S. are considered safer than Rochester. Ooh. Wow. To help put this in perspective, your chances of becoming a victim of violent crime there is one in 25. That's pretty and your high. Chances of, yeah, your chances of becoming a victim of a property crime like a home invasion, one in 31. Good grief. So it was Thursday night, November 21st, 2019, and a man was planning a home invasion. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting at his kitchen table with his notepad. As one is wont to do when you live in Rochester. He uh, decided he was going to target a neighbor uh, who was an 82-year-old grandmother. Oh. Presumably because robbing an old lady would be an easy task. Wouldn't you think? The 82-year-old grandmother was known well in the neighborhood. Her name was Willie Murphy, and she was thought of by neighbors as a quiet, friendly woman. The word affable was often used when describing this little old lady. Named Willie. I love Willie already. She was certainly not the type of person that lived a lifestyle that would invite violence into her life. So it was late in the evening, around 11 o'clock on that Thursday night in November in 2019, and Willie Murphy was puttering about the house, getting ready to retire for the evening, when she heard, and it surprised her, a knock at her front door. Our would-be burglar had it all figured out. He was, uh, he had a plan, and that plan consisted of targeting an 82-year-old grandma at 11 o'clock at night Ugh. by knocking on the door and saying that he needed assistance. When she would open the door and let him in, he would overpower her, ransack her property, steal any valuable belongings that she had. Bastard. 11 o'clock at night, Willie hears the knock on the door. And nobody ever knocks on her door, especially at 11 o'clock at night, so... She's suspicious. She's, she's not a stupid woman. You go, Willie. She goes to the door, and she asks who it is. Willie's being extremely cautious, because not only is she 82, but she's only five feet tall and weighs all of 105 pounds. 
The man on the front porch sounded frantic. He yelled through the door that he had been shot and needed help. <gasps> Willie, still suspicious, said, Well, I can't let you in, but I'll call 911. Smart. And she refused to let him in. Go Willie. But he wasn't satisfied with that, and he began begging her to let him come inside so he could lie down. She repeatedly refused to do so. And as she did refuse, he became more enraged. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a pretty big guy. He began screaming at her, insulting her, and throwing himself against her door. Ultimately, he crashed through her door into the living room. Oh, damn it. Willie, 82-year-old grandma, standing there in her nightgown, later told ABC Rochester affiliate WHAM, quote, I hear a loud noise and I'm thinking, what the heck was that? And this young man is in my house. He broke the door. And this is where all hell broke loose. Or as Willie would say later, he picked the wrong house to break into. (laughs) What our would-be home invader didn't realize at the time, but he was quickly about to find out, was that even though Willie was an 82-year-old grandmother, barely five feet tall and weighing 105 pounds, she was also a champion bodybuilder and had been for years. Go Willie! Her bodybuilding started several years ago with a weightlifting competition at her local Y in Rochester. She wandered in one time, and they were getting ready to to have this contest. And she had never lifted weights before, but she asked the person if she could compete. And the person in charge says, quote, go for it, granny. (laughs) So she began lifting five-pound weights. Now she's able to, she says... She pushed her car out of a snowbank during the winter the previous year. Jeez. Um, and she can power lift 225 pounds. What? More, more than twice her weight. She became so successful in bodybuilding and weightlifting that she won the, the World Natural Powerlifting Federation of the Year Award in 2014. Damn. She also holds national records in the bench for reps the strict curl in the Iron Maiden categories. Wow. She holds the New York state and national records across multiple WNPH brackets. So needless to say, when this guy smashed through the door into her living room and into her house at 11 p.m., he had no idea what was coming. Take that home invasion guy. Willie Murphy didn't hesitate and immediately sprang into action. The first thing she did was beat him with a piece of furniture. Yeah. Quote, I love this. I picked that table up and I went to work on it. (laughs) (laughs) Go, go, Willie. (laughs) And she says, and guess what? The table broke. Yeah, it did. So then she took the metal legs from the table and continued to pummel him with those. Go, Willie. She said, quote, and when he's down, I'm jumping on him. She continues to wail on him as he's screaming for mercy, but Willie wasn't done. Good girl. She then jumped up, ran to the kitchen, grabbed a bottle of shampoo and squirted it in his face as he tried to get up. I love her. She said, quote, 
There's a bottle of shampoo on the table, so I grab the shampoo and guess what? He's still on the ground, in his face, all over it, the whole thing. Yeah! He's trying to get up. I grab a broom and he's pulling on the broom, so I beat him with my broom. Yeah! I hit him and guess what? He wants to get the heck out of there. She said, quote, he wants to get out of there and I'm trying to help him get the heck out of the house, but he's too heavy. I can't move him. He's dead weight. So he's lying down already because I did a number on him. I'm serious. I did a number on that man. <laughs> she opened up a can of whoop-ass. So this 82-year-old petite grandma beats the crap out of this man, beats him within an inch of his life, and then attempts to pick him up and throw him out of the house. Um, now, Willie had called 911 for the man before he broke in when he first knocked on the door. As the police showed up, they found 82-year-old Willie Murphy beating the crap out of this guy with a table leg, a broom, and a bottle of shampoo. The man was taken by ambulance to the hospital. And uh, she said, I think he was happy he went to the ambulance. I sent him there. Yes, I did. Yes, you did, Willie. The man was taken and treated for injuries at the hospital. His name was not released because he was not arrested. Uh, Murphy decided not to, to press charges. I guess Seriously? She he, was, he was not much of a threat. Wow. Rochester police investigator Jacqueline Schumann told today in an email, quote, it appeared that the suspect was extremely intoxicated and was not aware uh, as to what was going on. Not surprisingly, the officers who arrived on scene, as well as the EMTs, thought this was hilarious. <laughs> in fact, they all requested selfies with her on her front porch in front of her busted down door. How sweet is that? The next day, when she went to the Y for her 6 a.m. workout, she was given a hero's <laughs> welcome. So wait a minute, back up. She beats the crap out of this guy at 11 at night, Yeah, deals with the police till probably who knows what hour, but then gets up to make her 6 a.m. appointment at the gym. Yep, and everybody knew about it when she got there. God bless her. The Willie's got a schedule to keep. <laughs> <laughs> Willie told the press, quote, I'm alone and I'm old, but guess what? I'm tough. Yeah. And you want to know something? You want to know what happened? What? What happened is he picked the wrong house to break into. So the moral of this story really is never burgle a granny who can deadlift 225 pounds. Amen. Yep. My information came from Today.com, NPR, CBS News, CNN, The Democrat, and Chronicle, Channel 13 in Rochester, WHAM, and ABC News. I wish that she... I wish that Willie had press charges only because I would have loved to have seen his booking photos. Oh, my God. And what that guy would have looked like. I looked and looked and looked, and I was really trying to find his picture. I was trying to find his booking information, his name, because I really wanted to ridicule him more than I was able to yeah. uh, with the information that I had. But because, I know, I found out uh, because he was not charged, his name was not released. Damn it. Damn it. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Lucky guy. Willie Murphy. Well done, Willie. We applaud you, Willie. We should award Willie our first Wiley Award. There we go. I like that. Let's kick that over to the uh, the kids in the research department and see what they can come up with. Go in the shallow end with Schnelli and Toff. You work hard with your hands all day long, carrying lumber, pounding nails. You're the kind of man that showers after you work because dirt and dust are part of the territory. 
But when you get home, things change. You like your bathtub and the fresh, feminine scent of new, sensitive male skin products. Go ahead, extra bubbles. Put on some berry white music. You know, the one you love to dance to in the mirror when you're all by yourself. Wife's not home for an hour yet. Shave those legs nice and smooth. Let the soothing emollients of sensitive male skin products work their magic, turning your skin soft and sexy. What's that? Your wife called and said she's two hours away? Who's a lucky boy? More bubbles, please. Maybe some Chardonnay. Call your pal from work. What's his name? That's right, Donnie. You like Donnie. And Donnie likes you. You two whisper things at the job site when your friends aren't looking. You like roughhousing with Donnie, don't you? Just some playful wrestling. Remember how you felt when he wanted to play that fireman shower rescue game? All this thanks to new sensitive male skin products in your life. No one needs to know. This is your time, Mr. Man. Mr. Sensitive Man. You're a little confused, aren't you, pal? Don't worry. It'll all make sense soon. Sensitive Male Skin Products. Hey, look, if you're passionate about sports, looking for a thrill, you need to check out the freshly redesigned X-Bet. They're calling it the last sports book you'll ever join. Yeah, they really do have it all, whether it's odds on basketball, combat sports, or even betting on the next Bitcoin dip. The best part is, when you win, you get paid quick. It's not just about placing bets. XBet is a whole experience. They support athletes and shows just like ours. They give back to the community with tons of free bets and cash prize contests. And did we mention they have a casino now? Spin the slots, play the roulette, or try your luck at the live tables, all from a mobile platform that lets you enjoy the fun on the go. So whether you're super into sports betting or just curious about giving it a try, you need a site that makes it fun and easy. That's why you got to check out XBet. Sign up today using promo code SHALLOW and get a generous bonus bonus of up to $1,000 on your first deposit. That's right. Promo code SHALLOW for a free cash bonus to kickstart your betting journey. With so many great UFC cards on the horizon and baseball season in full swing. See what I did there? Baseball swing. There's never been a better time to play. Make your next bet. X-Bet. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. 
Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. There may be a drought in the West, but these two boys are swimming in stories. You're in the shallow end with Schnepley and Toth. I think you guys might have done on a very early box episode a story about the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Does that does that sound familiar? Seventy nine, eighty. Probably, yeah. I thought you did. So, in digging into this, did you know that before that eruption in seventy nine A.D., that the inhabitants of Pompeii had no idea that they even lived beside a volcano because it hadn't erupted in something like 1,800 years. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the first sign that they had anything was wrong was, oh, a little earth tremor. Earthquakes. But they had those, and so they were used to it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in, in leading up to all of the eruptions, there have apparently always been a series of earthquakes. And, and in fact, there was there was an earthquake so large in 62 AD, so that would have been 17 years before Vesuvius erupted, that a lot of, of residents of Pompeii said, screw this, and moved, moved away. I didn't know that. And ended up being saved by the wow. fact that they had moved 17 years before, before the eruption. So that eruption, and, and I remembered in researching this, hearing you guys talk about this, in, in the year 79, that was around noon on August 24th. And how the fact, the fact that scientists know that is just incredible to me. Noon, August 24th in the year 79. And it, it literally froze that town in time. Archaeologists have found bread still in the oven that was baking. Exactly. was abandoned. It's, yeah. It's crazy. It's sort of like Chernobyl and how clocks stopped in Chernobyl and, mm. and, you know, school classrooms and people's kitchens there were there were uneaten sandwiches because when people just bug out like that or they get frozen in time or Mm -hmm. or volcanic ash it's like life just stops so that volcano in suvius ejects a cloud of stone ash and volcanic gas to a height of 21 miles high and it released a hundred thousand times the thermal energy of both the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings, a hundred thousand times. Oh, oh my God. And the stuff starts falling from the sky and it, it rains this, this stuff down uh, for five hours. Think about that. Five hours of, of stuff raining down on you and the equivalent of that debris at its height. This fact just knocked me out. To give you an idea of how much debris was scattered, it was the equivalent of 250,000 elephants falling oh. every second. What? Quarter million elephants falling every second. Wow. And the exact death toll, unknown, but they suppose that it was roughly a 1,000 people that died. And so it's regarded as one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world. Um, because the population of three million people living near enough to be affected by that eruption and 600,000 people to this day in, in the danger zone. So you got three million people living today near 
Vesuvius, and 600,000 of those are in what they call a danger zone. And it could erupt any time, still today, but people are choosing to, to live there. I remember hearing about um, kind of a, an hour-by-hour hour depiction of what happened during the uh, eruption. <clears throat> because we have pretty good idea because was it Pliny the Elder or Pliny the Younger? I get them confused. One of the Plinies. One of them Plinies. One of them Plinies. Um, I think it was Pliny the Younger uh, made notations because they were across the bay from where it took place. And Pliny the Elder got on a ship <laughs> And sailed over there to visit a friend during the eruption and uh, took a bath. He did. He saw the volcano erupting. He got on a ship. He crossed over into Pompeii, visited a friend, and took a bath. Wow. And his wife was like, no, don't do that. And he was like, nah, I'm just going to go check it out. Yeah. Again, as, as we have said so many times, the number of times that a man in a relationship <laughs> says, I got an idea. And his wife says, yeah, I don't think that's a very good idea. That had, to have, that had to have gone on here. So this makes Vesuvius to this day a real hotbed, if you'll pardon the pun, for, uh, for tourism. It's a very, very popular site for, for visitors. And you can actually take a trail up to the cone, to, to the rim of the crater of Mount Vesuvius. And it's not a particularly difficult hike. In fact, almost anyone in, in decent shape doesn't require a lot of hiking experience. It's only two and a half miles up and back. Oh, wow. Which brings us to today's story of a 23-year-old man from Maryland who was rescued not all that long ago after falling into the crater of Mount Vesuvius. While taking a selfie. Oh, Again with no. the selfie. Guy from uh, Maryland named Philip Carroll. And he's there with his family and they make that hike. And so they're, they're climbing up. They're getting closer and closer to the top. And they, they hiked up from the town of Ottaviano and accessed the top through, again, a forbidden trail. Now, you and you guys, we have talked about this in numerous stories. People who venture off trails, there are big signs, <laughs> there's chain link, there's rope, do not cross, danger, danger. But for some reason, people think either, well, this doesn't apply to me or I'm going to be okay. <laughs> but this family takes a trail closed to tourists past the small gate, past all the signs that say no access. Mm -hmm. And Philip is now standing at the very edge of this 4,000-foot-high volcano. And he thinks, hey, selfie, right? Mm -hmm. I got yeah. a post on social media that I'm standing at the top of Mount Vesuvius. Well, what would you guess happens? But Philip just <clears throat> manages to <laughs> drop his phone. No. Yeah. No. Into the volcano. Into, That's worse than dropping it into a vault toilet. Into the, <laughs> into the crater itself. Now, it's bad enough that you've, you've climbed past the signs. You've ignored all the warnings. You go up to the very edge. You think, this is a great spot for a selfie. You drop your phone, but then you look down into the crater and you think, ah, oh, I think I can get that out. <laughs> So, oh, Philip no. decides he's going to recover the phone, and sure enough, he slips 
and he falls yards into the crater, manages to stop his fall, but then realizes that he is stuck. He is stuck trying to retrieve a phone. The authorities said later that he was actually extremely lucky that if he had kept going, if he would not have been able to stop himself from sliding down, he would have plunged 300 meters into the crater itself. I think a meter is 39, 39, what we call 39 inches. So roughly more than 300 yards, three, three football fields. He suffers scratches and cuts to his arms and back. But what just happens to take place is that there are guides from across the way who regularly just check on the tourists with binoculars. And they actually see this whole thing go down. Because this kind of thing happens often enough where they have to do that. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep an eye. Check that trail. Yeah, you Mm. know, the trail with the rope and the signs that say no entry, danger, danger. So they go running up to the top of Vesuvius and they see this gentleman, (laughs) Philip, with his phone in his hand, kind of looking like, uh, little help. And they lower a rope 50 feet down and they actually pull him out. And he, wow. he declines first aid, but, uh, he was actually unconscious when they got to him. Oh, wow. Because of the fumes? Uh, I think they don't say. My guess is it's the shock, it's the adrenaline. Oh. Of mm. of realizing I'm falling into something that I really shouldn't be falling into. <laughs> so the police tell CNN that they treated him in an ambulance farther down the mountain, but he refuses to go to the hospital. But he was arrested. Oh, he was. Yeah, for kind of being being a dope. So a video <laughs> that either he or somebody posted on Instagram. There appears to be a gentleman that they think is his brother, and just before <laughs> Philip drops the phone, the brother says, "We hiked to the top of a literal effing volcano," and then Philip, of course, drops the phone and and oh, falls man. over. Oh my God! So apparently, this selfie thing is turning into an epidemic, and a study in 2018 found that more than 250 people worldwide had died while taking selfies over a six-year period. Wow. People taking selfies in front of oncoming trains, standing on the edge of cliffs. Haven't they heard of green screen? For (laughs) God's sake. Photoshop. But uh, again, don't steal an airplane and don't hike into a volcano. Yeah. um, I came across a story of a person who was pavement surfing. The hell is pavement surfing? What is that? A friend was filming it for social media. What they would do is get the car up to a certain point of speed, like 30, 40 miles an hour, open the door, hang on to the door and the roof, and just drag your feet along the pavement. (sighs) And... That didn't end well. Yeah. He, uh, no? No, yeah. no. Apparently, he put his feet down too hard, and it flipped him right out 
of the car and onto the pavement oh, my Lord. into the middle of a busy highway. Is this a teaser for next week's story? <laughs> it could be. It could be. I've never fallen into a volcano, Lindsay, uh-huh. but I went to the Grand Canyon and a squirrel knocked my camera into the, uh, into the canyon. Honest to God? Yeah. Did you get the camera back? No. Did you ever see the squirrel again? Squirrels are aggressive on the South Rim. I don't know if you've noticed that. No. I've only had experience with North Rim squirrels, never South Rim. Yeah, there's that whole North Rim-South Rim rivalry yeah. between squirrels. And both, uh, both think they're the superior camp of squirrels. That's right. Yeah, yeah. kind of a sharks uh, and jets thing. It is. I got my uh, information from CNN, NPR, NBC News, PompeiTours.it, The Daily Mail, The Washington Post, and, of course, Wikipedia. I would love to go and visit Pompeii, although I have to admit I'd be staring at that mountain the entire time I was there, expecting it to go off at any minute. It's kind of like when I go to San Francisco. I figured that one day I go, it's going to fall into the bay. I feel that way every day living in Los Angeles. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, between the Is this the day? The wildfires and the earthquakes. Now, a friend of mine who lives out there and, and I you may know him, uh Doug the Slug. He worked at uh, K-Rock out there and he's on Sirius XM now. I was visiting with him and he was telling me of how people refer to earthquake weather. Yes. Have you heard that? What is yeah, that exactly? Earthquake weather is and it, it actually it, when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense, but Earthquake weather is uh, is summertime, dry, hot weather that, that some people say is when you are most likely to suffer an earthquake. Huh. Scientists point out that <clears throat> most of California's huge earthquakes have not been during those months. Just one of those pervasive kind of wives' tales. Mm. People still like to talk about earthquake weather. So uh, that's what I know about earthquakes and Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> That's far more than I know. The only earthquake I ever experienced, I was in L.A. for a weekend, Burbank, and uh, the I, saw, I heard this noise, and it was the handles on the dresser drawers of the room I was in wow. jiggling against the... Uh, yeah. Against each other. And I'm like, what the hell is that? My first thought was paranormal activity. Of course. Not, Obviously. Yeah. But uh, it was my you? only experience with an earthquake. And even though it was a minor one, I was ready to get on a plane and leave. Can't blame you. A very, very good yeah. friend of mine, John Adi, uh, who's, by the way, a subscriber to this podcast, uh-huh. um, was living in San Francisco in 1989 during the Loma Prieta oh. quake. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, it was like five in the afternoon and he was home and hears the rumbling started starting and is trying desperately to maintain his footing in the kitchen and grabs the refrigerator door which of course swings wide open tries to grab onto kitchen drawers and of course they they come open and all the contents spill on the floor and he decides i'm going to get outside so this thing doesn't come down on me the 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 house in which he was living so he goes outside, and now all of his neighbors are standing in the street while this quake, which only lasted 30 seconds, but it sounded like – it felt like it you know, was hours, is in its full throes. And all of, their na- all of John's neighbors and John are looking up at the sky because they hear these roaring jets, these jet aircraft overhead. And so they're all looking up at the sky like, where are these jets? And then they realize the roar is coming from underneath them. It's coming from the ground. Oh. 
which is one of the creepiest oh. earthquake things I've ever heard. That beats my jingling dresser drawer <laughs> handle does. story. Sorry to yeah. best you on the earthquake <laughs> story, JG. <laughs> well done, John. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, John Audie, and your stupid earthquake jet story. The Shallow End. Uh, we have a website, shallowendpodcast.com. Uh, merch is coming soon. I'm excited about that. We even have a spanking new email address. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Shoot us a, uh, a story. In fact, we were talking about maybe if you would like to share your Shallow End moment, it, it may be something that, that you participated in or something that you just witnessed. Either one. Uh, you can send it to us. You can even actually record it on your phone, the audio, and email it to us, and uh, chances are we'll use it on the on the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Make good decisions. Because your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say. Even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.